I know, served as a priest for a couple of years in Washington, D.C., and then his religious order sent him to uh, a new assignment, and he was helping in the week on the weekends in a parish in Washington, D.C. His last weekend there, he said he received the most memorable piece of feedback on his preaching he's ever received. A woman came up to him after Mass and said to him, Father, your preaching is disturbing. <laughs> and then she said to him, But it is the right kind of disturbing. So don't worry, I'm not planning on giving a disturbing novel. But we know what it feels like to be disturbed. And there are two different ways we can be disturbed. We can be disturbed by things that are genuinely evil, by human brokenness, by sin, by tragedy. You know, we are disturbed on this 20th anniversary of 9-11. But sometimes we're also disturbed by things that are good because we're not ready to accept them. So St. Peter in his Gospel He's disturbed. He has the vision. He has the clarity through God's help to be able to confess. Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. He's able to say that Jesus is God. But when Jesus tells him that he's going to suffer, Peter is not able to accept this. And he rebukes Jesus. He takes him aside and says, Lord, you have to stop saying stuff like that. That's not true. Stop. Peter just told him he was the Messiah. Should he listen? And Jesus, in turn, has to rebuke Peter. For good reason. When we see or experience suffering, we are disturbed. Often, when we see or experience suffering, we have a sense that there's some kind of injustice here. Something is unequal. Something that's supposed to be right in the world has not happened the way in which it was meant to happen. And so we're understandably disturbed. I just want to talk um, this morning as Jesus speaks to us about the cross, um, about the suffering of three different kind of groups. Talk about Jesus' suffering, talk about our own suffering, and other people's suffering. So Jesus is suffering, first of all. And friends, so if Jesus hadn't come and lived with us, if he hadn't experienced a human life like we do where we suffer, if he hadn't suffered on the cross and died and risen, our suffering really would be meaningless. Suffering would just be pain. It would just be a curse. It wouldn't be anything else. But because Jesus has done this, because Jesus has dwelt in the most difficult parts of human life and has filled it with his death and resurrection, there is no suffering that we can experience, that we can see, that doesn't have him somewhere present in it. It doesn't mean that it's good. It doesn't mean that it's his original plan. But God has joined us and been part of it. So this is why when we experience suffering, uh, we have in Christianity this beautiful term, redemptive suffering. So a lot of our life, in general, is organized around avoiding pain. So this is kind of a goofy example, but it's true. So, right, it's been hot for the last bunch of months. It's been very hot. And so you put your air conditioner on, and you make your house cold. Now what's going to happen in the house? Your house is going to get cold. 
and you're going to make it hot for the rest of the year. Like, so our whole life is organized around avoiding the patterns of nature so that we can have the same temperature that we want all of the time. Uh, for the first generation of people to have that easily accessible. A lot of people didn't grow up with that. My parents didn't grow up with that. Um, a lot of people in the world still don't have that. But our life is, it's like there's this implicit assumption, okay, like, if I'm not comfortable, my life isn't the way it's supposed to be. But Jesus wants to invite us to something different and deeper. So when he says something like, whoever wishes to lose his life, or rather, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find it. What Jesus is saying in part is that our suffering, what's difficult in our life, can actually give life to other people. So this means when we're going through something, or you see somebody near you, you love going through something that affects you, what Jesus asks us to do is to offer this. Right? So you see somebody who's going through problems in their marriage, the problems in their family, you're going through it. Um, or you're filled with anxiety or something, fear. What we're being asked to do is just to say to God, there's a simple way we can do this. You just identify what it is that's hurting or difficult, and you say, Jesus, I offer you this. And that doesn't mean that we just suck it up or we grin and bear it, but it means that we don't hold on to these things just all ourselves, but we give them to Him to share with Him and we ask God, please make this fruitful. Help them to help me, help them to help the people I love, and maybe help it to help people I've never even met before. Um, but your life can be fruitful, even your suffering can be fruitful for people you've never met. So that's God's suffering our suffering, and then just other people's suffering. You know, St. James is really clear about this this morning in his letter. He says, if you go to church on Sunday, and then you see a homeless person in the street, and you say, be well, stay warm, keep in touch, and you have something you could offer that person, or you could take five minutes to drive to the CBS and get what they need, grocery store, James is like, what are you doing? What are you missing? Why? Because the person in front of us is showing us, St. Teresa of Calcutta when he's this phrase, Jesus is distressing the skies in the floor. The faces of the floor image to us Jesus is suffering. And so St. James says when we ignore other people's suffering, we ignore Jesus. That should make us uncomfortable. And it's just a good thing to sit with that a little bit this week. So here's the encouragement. If you have people in your life who are suffering, if you are suffering, you don't have to be afraid. Because you are not alone in this. Jesus Christ has borne his cross and suffered and died and risen for you so that you always carry a cross with him and not by yourself. We can confess with Peter when we're afraid, when we're in the midst of strife, we can say this with him. You are the Christ. I know that you carry this with me. And we learn how to say that you are the Christ when we come to Mass. We celebrate the Eucharist and when we look at what just looks like bread and wine, it seems like it doesn't matter at all. 
And we learn how to confess this is the body of Christ when we look at the Eucharist and say, you are the Christ. 